In the bosom of one of those spacious coves which indent the eastern shore of the Hudson, at that broad expansion of the river denominated by the ancient Dutch navigators the Tappan Zee, there lies a small market town, generally and properly known by the name of Tarrytown. This name was given, we are told, by the good housewives of the adjacent country from the propensity of their husbands to linger about the village tavern on market days, from the listless repose of the place and the peculiar character of its inhabitants, who are descendants from the original Dutch settlers. This sequestered glen has long been known by the name of Sleepy Hollow. Some say that during the early days of the settlement the place was bewitched by a high German doctor. Others that an old Indian chief held his powwows there before the country was found by Master Hendrick Hudson. Certain it is, then, the place still continues under the sway of some witching power that holds a spell over the minds of the good people. They are given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs. The whole neighborhood abounds with local tales, haunted spots, and twilight superstitions, and they frequently see strange sights and hear music and voices in the air. The dominant spirit that haunts this enchanted region, and seems to be commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air, is the apparition of a figure on horseback without a head. Certain are most of the authentic historians of those parts that the body of the trooper, having been buried in the churchyard, rides forth to the scene of the battle nightly in quest of his head, and that the rushing speed with which he sometimes passes, like a midnight blast, is owing to his hurry to get back to the churchyard before daybreak. Such is the general purport of this legendary superstition, and the spectre is known at all the country firesides by the name of the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. In this by-place of nature, there abode in a remote period of American history a worthy wight by the name of Ichabod Crane, who tarried in Sleepy Hollow for the purpose of instructing the children of the vicinity. The name of Crane was not inapplicable to this person. He was tall, but exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms and legs, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might have served for shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth, or some scarecrow sprung to life and eloped from a cornfield. It was, at the time of this telling, a fine autumnal day. The sky was clear and serene, and nature wore her rich and golden livery. The forests had put on their sober brown and yellow, while some trees had been nipped by the frosts into brilliant dyes of orange, purple, and scarlet. The bark of the squirrel might be heard from the groves of beech and hickory nuts, and the small birds were taking their farewell banquets. It was here, in this setting, that one would find Ichabod, watching over the boys in the schoolhouse, doing what he called his duty by their parents. Truth to say, 
He was a conscientious man, and ever bore in mind the golden maxim, spare the rod and spoil the child. Ichabod Crane's scholars certainly were not spoiled. Listen now, everyone. Who has any questions from our lesson today? Hmm? Any of you? No, no I don't want any of you forgetting any of your studies while working the harvest over the fortnight, hmm? Our books are just as important as our fields, are they not? Yes, yes, yes Mr. Mr. Crane. Good. Uh, now then, you are dismissed. Uh, uh, run along. You must all be getting home before it gets too dark, and I know you all have your chores. Hurry along now. Remember to study your verse. Just enough time to sit in the sun and do some light reading myself. It was often Ichabod's delight, after his school was dismissed in the afternoon, to stretch himself on the rich bed of clover which bordered the little brook near his schoolhouse, and there enchant himself with the direful tales of Cotton Mather's History of New England Witchcraft, in which, by the way, he most firmly and potently believed. So spoke that horrible devil, but, oh, that none of our souls may be found among the prizes of the devil. The devil is come down in great wrath, for he has but a short time. Ichabod. Hmm? Ichabod, are you there? Uh, who, who goes there now? It's me, Ichabod. Coming around the schoolhouse now was Katrina Van Tassel, the daughter and only child of a substantial farmer in the area, old Baltus Van Tassel. Blonde-haired, rosy-cheeked, and ever-smiling, she was universally famed in town, not merely for her beauty, but for her vast expectations of the world. Ichabod had a soft and foolish manner towards the ways of the heart, and this extended most immediately to the coquettish Katrina. Oh, oh, oh Katrina! Hello! What brings you about to the schoolhouse? I was riding back home after a picnic in the field and saw the children leaving. I wanted to make sure that you were coming to Father's tonight for the harvest celebration. We'll all be there. I, I wouldn't miss the chance. Oh, it warms my heart to hear that. I was so hoping you would say so. Katrina, are you ready to continue home? I'll be right along, Brom. It was at this time that Brom Van Brunt stepped around the side of the schoolhouse now, the hero of the country round. From his Herculean frame, his great powers of limb, and with his overbearing roughness, there was a strong dash of waggish good humor about him. For this, he had received the nickname Brom Bones, by which he was universally known. He was famed for great skill in horsemanship, and was always ready for a fight. Or a frolic. This rakish hero had for some time singled out the beautiful Katrina for the object of his uncouth gallantries. And though his amorous toyings were something like the gentle caresses of a bear, it was whispered that Katrina did not altogether discourage his hopes, much to Ichabod's dismay. Come now, we must be getting you home. Oh, Ichabod! I should have known we'd find you here. Brom. How does the day find you, then? <sighs> Smells strongly of smoke around here, doesn't it? Having some issues inside the schoolhouse? 
Oh, uh, the chimney was just a bit uh, stopped up this morning. Must have been one of the more infantile children playing a prank. Sounds like you've got a particularly smart joker in your class, hmm? One could say so, yes. They would be wrong, but they could say so. Brom, we should get going now. Yes, of course. We must be getting you back so you can prepare for the party tonight. I'm sure we shall be seeing you there, hmm, Ichabod? But of course you shall. Good then. Oh, and Ichabod, best be safe tonight, hmm? Wouldn't want to run into the horsemen on your way to the party now, would you? <laughs> now then, Katrina. Oh, please do be sure to be there, Ichabod. I would miss you ever so direly if you were away. You needn't worry, Katrina. I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm so glad to hear it. Goodbye, Ichabod. Uh, goodbye! Hmm. I must go to Van Ripper's and ask him about borrowing a horse. Although Ichabod was a man of letters, he was not without his superstitions. His appetite for the marvelous and his powers of digesting it were equally extraordinary, and both had been increased by his residence in this spellbound region. No tale was too gross or monstrous for his capacious swallow. Every sound of nature fluttered his excited imagination, especially those at the witching hour. Come now, Gunpowder. We must be getting along. Mustn't, Terry. We have someone very important to see. As Ichabod entered the stately parlor of the Van Tassel mansion, he was greeted by the ample charms of a genuine Dutch country tea table, in the sumptuous time of autumn. Such heaped-up platters of cakes and pies, set beside slices of ham and smoked beef, and delectable dishes of preserved plums and peaches and pears. And there, moving among his guests with a face filled with content and good humor, as round and jolly as the harvest moon, was old Baltus Van Tassel. He approached Ichabod, giving him a hearty slap on the shoulder and a shake of the hand. Ah, uh, Mr. Crane, so very pleased you are able to attend. Why, I, I wouldn't miss it for the world, sir. <laughs> good, good. Now, I know my Katrina will be happy to have you here. She's around somewhere. Maybe with that old scoundrel, Brom Bones. <laughs> yes, uh, well, I do hope to see her soon. <laughs> Yes, well, now then, I mustn't keep you. Please, fall in and help yourself. And Ichabod did just so, taking a large plate of roasted chicken, ginger cakes, and crullers. Happily, Ichabod sat and ate, his heart filling in good cheer in proportion to his stomach. As the night wore on and the partygoers took to dance, Ichabod stepped forward. For Ichabod, though a schoolteacher, prided himself upon his dancing. Ichabod, I have been looking all over for you. And I, you, Katrina. Will you come and dance with me? I would love to. So Ichabod and Katrina took to the dance floor. Not a limb and not a fiber about them was idle. And to see them in full motion, you would have thought St. Vitus himself, that blessed patron of dance, was before you in person. Oh, Ichabod, this is so much fun. 
indeed it is, my dear. I if only we could continue this merriment every day of our lives. But then why shouldn't we, hmm? Well, I, I fear that despite our own advances, your heart does belong to one wrong bones. Oh, does it now? Is that who I'm out here dancing with then? I thought your name was Mr. Crane. Well, yes, but... And if you were truly paying attention, you'd notice that Mr. Van Brunt, or Mr. Bones as you've called him, is brooding in the corner, smitten with jealousy. Oh, Katrina, you have outsmarted me this time. Me? Outsmart the school teacher? You flatter me. <laughs> Just spend more time with Father. He does like you very much, if you didn't notice. Oh, and Ichabod? Yes? I happen to like you very much as well, if you hadn't noticed. Oh, oh, oh well, I... Oh, mm, mm. With the dancing now at an end, Ichabod found himself with some of the sager folks, who, with old Van Tassel, sat at the end of the piazza, drawing out long stories of war and adventure. Well, then. What story should we have next? Should we have the story of Dofu Martling, that blue-bearded Dutchman who took a British frigate on his own? Or at least he would have had his gun not burst up its own discharge. <laughs> or what about the Battle of White Plains? when a fearless soldier parried a musket ball aimed for his head with nothing but the small sword he carried at his side. <laughs> Should we move our stories to those not belonging to our realm? The morning cries we still hear on the night winds at the great tree where Major Andre was taken, that terrible woman in white who can still be heard shrieking on winter nights at Raven Rock. Or should we hear the story of the chief of all of these specters, the one who patrols the countryside, tethering his horse in the graves of the churchyard? I speak, of course, of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. It is said by some to be the ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head was carried away by a cannonball in some nameless battle. Now he rides, from the churchyard where he lies to the old river crossing where he searches, forever looking for his lost head. Old Brower, you all know his heretical disbelief in ghosts, met the horseman when he returned to the hollow one evening. He was chased over bush and brake, over hill and swamp, until he reached that old bridge, the horseman close behind. But then it is said that the horseman turned into a ghastly skeleton, and with supernatural strength, he threw old Brower into the river before springing over the treetops with a massive thunderclap. Oh, a good story. Why, that old horseman isn't much of a terror at all. Ah, you're one to talk, Brom. What do you know of the specter? Specter? <laughs> Whatever he is, he is nothing more than some errant jockey. One night when I was returning home from Sing Sing, 
I was overtaken by this supposed midnight rider. I challenged him to a race, and I should have won it too, for my horse Daredevil kept far astride of his horrible goblin horse. But, just as we reached the church bridge, he bolted, vanished into a flash of fire. Nothing more than a coward who couldn't bear to lose, if you ask me. <laughs> yes, yes. Yet another good story to add to your review, Brom. Now then, gentlemen, it is late, and I would think we have all had our fill of stories and merriment. I believe it is time I retire for the evening. Good night, sirs. And I hope to see you again soon, Ichabod. And I you, sir. A, a good night to you. And so Ichabod stole his way through the house again, the merry scenes of the party now subdued and quiet, as people were lingering, delaying the late evening's end. He saw Katrina there, who gave him a sly smile, and though it may have been a trick of his imagination, he thought he saw a twinkle in her eye as she watched him from across the room, and this filled him with a pride he had never known before. He went straight to the stable then, and with several hearty kicks, roused his steed most uncourteously from the quarters in which he was soundly sleeping. As he rode out, crossing around the front of the Van Tassel Manor, he felt his heart sink. There, standing next to his magnificent horse, was Brom Bones, and there, next to him, with her hands placed delicately on his broad chest, was Katrina, looking as sweetly at him as Ichabod had felt she had admired him just moments earlier. It was that very witching time of night now, and Ichabod, heavy-hearted and crestfallen, pursued his travels homewards. His horse was as dismal as himself. There were hardly any signs of life near him, save for the occasional melancholy chirp of the crickets, or, perhaps, the guttural utterance of a bullfrog. Come on, then, gunpowder. Let's just get ourselves home, hmm? All the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had heard earlier now came crowding upon Ichabod's recollection. The night grew darker and darker, the stars seeming to disappear into the darkness of the sky. He rode quietly, not entirely aware of his surroundings, until he had very suddenly approached a very large tree in the center of the road. Its limbs were gnarled and dark large enough to form trunks for ordinary trees, twisting down almost to the earth and then rising again into the air. It was the tree Ichabod had heard about before, the tree universally known as Major Andre's tree. Ichabod thought he saw something there, something swiftly moving behind the great mass of the tree. But it was gone then. Hello? Is, is, is someone there? Nonsense. Uh, of course, no one out at this hour. Come on, then, gunpowder. Shaken now, Ichabod passed the tree in safety, but new perils lay before him. About two hundred yards ahead from the tree, the stream crossed the road, and there was the bridge that had been the topic of such discussion earlier that evening. As he rode forward, Ichabod's heart began to thump. 
and he gave his horse a few swift kicks in an attempt to dash briskly forward. <laughs> but Gunpowder was an old horse, and instead of kicking forward, he made a lateral movement, nearly knocking Ichabod off entirely. Oh, you stupid animal! It was then, in the dark shadow of the grove behind him, that Ichabod beheld something huge, misshapen, black, and towering. The hair on the back of his neck stood on end now. To turn and fly now was too late, and besides, what chance was there of escaping a ghost, or a goblin, such as it was? Who, who are you? Hello? I, 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 asked, I, I asked you who are you? Come, Gunpowder, let us be home. Just then, the shadowy object put itself in motion, and with a scramble and a bound stood at once in the middle of the road behind Ichabod. Though the night was dark and dismal, the form of the unknown might now in some degree be ascertained. He appeared to be a horseman of large dimensions, and mounted on a black horse of frighteningly powerful frame. As Ichabod rode forward, the figure kept pace behind him. With no relish for this strange companion, and with thoughts of Brom Bones and the galloping Hessian filling his mind, Ichabod quicked his steed, hoping to leave the figure behind. The stranger, however, quickened his horse to an equal pace. Ichabod was carried to higher ground on the road then, and the moon came from behind its hiding place to light the countryside. Looking back to perceive his fellow traveler, Ichabod was horror-struck on perceiving that he rode atop his horse, but he was entirely headless. <laughs> his horror was still more increased then on seeing that the rider's head, which should have rested on his shoulders, instead was carried before him on the pommel of his saddle, staring lifelessly forward at Ichabod. <laughs> oh, gods! Onward, Gunpowder! Faster, you old beast! Gunpowder raced forward then, but the specter started full jump with him. Away they dashed, stones flying, sparks flashing at every bound. They raced downhill now, approaching the bridge so famous in Goblin's story, and rising above beyond the whitewashed church with its terrible graveyard. Ichabod rode hard, but he could feel the girths of the saddle give way, and it slipped off from under him, landing with a hard thump against the earth, nearly immediately tramped underfoot by his pursuer. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. He held with all his might, the goblin hard on his haunches, the bridge approaching quickly. He thought of how Brom Bones's ghostly competitor had disappeared. If I can reach that bridge... That I'm safe! Forward, gunpowder! Just then, he could hear the black steed panting close behind him, and even thought he could feel his hot breath. With a swift kick, old gunpowder sprang upon the bridge, thundering over the resounding planks and landing with such a force that Ichabod's tenuous hold gave way, and he fell with a hard knock against the wood of the bridge. <laughs> Gunpowder raced away then, and casting a look behind him, hoping to see his pursuer vanish in a flash of fire and brimstone, Ichabod, instead, 
saw the phantom rising in his stirrups. Standing tall, he reached up and hurled his very head at Ichabod. No, no! Ichabod attempted to dodge the horrible missile, but too late. It encountered his cranium with a tremendous crash. And all was silent. The next morning, old gunpowder was found at his master's gate, without his saddle. Ichabod did not make his appearance at breakfast, and when some boys assembled at the schoolhouse to visit him, the schoolmaster was nowhere to be found. An inquiry was set on foot, and after diligent investigation they came upon his traces. In one part of the road leading to the church was found the missing saddle trampled into the dirt by horses' hooves, which were traced to the bridge. Just beyond there, on the bank of a broad part of the brook, was found the hat of the unfortunate Ichabod Crane, and close behind it, the remains of a shattered pumpkin. The brook was searched, but the body of the schoolmaster was not to be discovered. The mysterious event caused much speculation at the town church on the following Sunday. The stories of Old Brower, of Bones, and a whole budget of others were called to mind, and when they had considered them all, they shook their heads, and came to the conclusion that Ichabod had been carried off by the galloping Hessian. Shortly after his rival's disappearance, Brom Bones conducted the beautiful Katrina in triumph to the altar and was observed to look exceedingly knowing whenever the story of Ichabod was related, and always gave a hearty laugh at the mention of the pumpkin, which led some to suspect that he knew more about the matter than he chose to tell. The old country wives, however, maintain to this day that Ichabod was spirited away by supernatural means. The bridge became more than ever an object of superstitious awe. The schoolhouse being deserted, soon fell to decay, and was reported to be haunted by the ghost of the unfortunate schoolteacher. And the passer-by, who finds themselves loitering in the still of a summer evening, has often been said to hear his voice at a distance, chanting a melancholy tune among the tranquil solitudes of Sleepy Hollow. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the very first production of Public Domain Players. My name is James Wipert, and I am the founder and executive producer of Public Domain Players. This production, Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy Hollow, was adapted and directed by myself, and produced by both me and Lauren Maloro. The narrator was voiced by Caroline Ayametti. Ichabod Crane was voiced by Kira McFarland. Brom Bones was voiced by Ethan Jesse. Katrina Van Tassel was voiced by Samantha Bowen. Baltus Van Tassel was voiced by Lucas Iverson. Rebecca English, Nicole Shaw, and Joanna Georgiou voiced the children. The various social media handles and other projects of the cast can be found in the show's liner notes. Joanna will be appearing soon in a production of The Importance of Being Earnest at Adelphi University, starting October 29th and running for a week. 
Public domain players can be found both on Twitter and Instagram by just searching for the name Public Domain Players. Go ahead and give us a follow to stay updated on all our latest productions. And make sure to subscribe to our feed wherever you're listening, as we have many more projects coming your way very soon.